Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1102, air date September 8th, 2022. Good evening, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Adure. Welcome. It is... Um, Someday in September, Saturday, first week of September, Thursday. But we're going to be talking about uh, the death of Queen Elizabeth, which just took place, some of you may know, uh, which occurred today. And um, we're going to really talk about the truth about her 70-year reign. And that's what we want to talk about. Obviously, there's been a lot of news out there, um, you know, dignitaries, um, expressing their sadness and their remorse for her passing. And then you've also seen people, um, you'll see tweets and stuff saying, you know, uh, who cares on the other hand. And then you've also seen tweets saying, you know, this woman represents a monarchy, which, you know, was um, pillaged and raped and killed people. You've seen all spectrums, right, out there, right? So, um, and I would expect those to be the obvious ones that you'd hear, right? One group of people, feeling great remorse. She was a great leader. She represented like a rock, a foundation, world leaders. Another group for saying, who cares? Just a monarch. And another group of people who've said, you know, she she represents a royal family who was a organization of exploitation. And I think Jeff Bezos defended uh, that, uh, the view of, um, uh, you know, defending the monarchy, because I think some professor at Carnegie Mellon had said, you know, she was a part of a group that was rapists and pillaging and, and we're glad she died. Anyway, so you see all these different views. We're going to give you a very different perspective um, on taking a historical systems approach. Um, I'm not going to do a hit job on this woman. I don't think that really helps to really bring anything substantive out to really understand what's going on. Um, obviously, when someone else, everyone dies, I mean, from my perspective, you feel a certain amount of remorse, wherever they are. Um, but I want to give you a perspective, hopefully, to that can help in our modern day times rather than sort of doing some um, trite type of remarks. And as many of you know, we take a systems approach in everything we do. And just to remind people what I mean by that um, is that when we look at something, we, by the way, everyone who's interested in what we do, let me just put the banner up here, I forgot to do that. Um, you can go to truthfreedomhealth.com and I'll review that, but we take a systems approach, which is not about left or right, not taking some uh, uh, extreme right-wing approach or left-wing approach or pro-approach or an anti-approach. We take an approach which is hopefully something that could enhance your life, enhance your worldview, and uh, so you can help to see things as they truly are. So if you want to learn more about that, go to vashiva.com or truthfreedomhealth.com, and we have a whole system that we've set up. But fundamentally... When we look at the world, we want to understand it from the perspective of the forces of freedom, the forces of truth, and the forces of health. And when we say, <coughs> excuse me, when we say the forces of freedom, we look at things that are advancing freedom, you know, the, the movements for freedom, which are very, very different than the forces of power, profit, and control, excuse me. <clears throat> I got to just get a, something to drink here one sec. 
And then we also look at it from the forces of truth. What are the forces that are going to give us a perspective so we could really understand what's going on? And from the forces of health, which are infrastructure, physical health, environmental health, et cetera. And as we teach people without freedom, which is the ability for us to communicate as we're doing here today, you can't really get down to truth because truth is applying the scientific method. And without our own physical health, personal health, infrastructure health, we don't have the force to fight for this. So when you take the perspective of truth, freedom, and health, it really gives you a more holistic view. Those of you who are interested, go to truthfreedomhealth.com. This evening, I had a session at 11 a.m. We had, went on for about two and a half hours. We have people from all over the world. But at 8 p.m., you're welcome to join me. I do an open house and orientation. Go to vashiva.com slash orientation, and um, you'll have a chance to convene, commune with me and other people from all over the world. But let's get back to um, Queen Elizabeth. One of the biggest jewels in the British Empire's crown for years was India. As, <clears throat> as I've done in a previous live, I discussed some of the recent work of a woman called Usta Patnaik, which was the first detailed accounting work, which really talked about the fact that $43 trillion was stolen out of India by the British Empire. It was very, very deep analysis. She talked about the movement of capital, how it was orchestrated. It was the first work that just came out recently. So the understanding of the British involvement in India, by the way, I want to make a big distinction between the people of Britain, the working people of Britain versus the elites of Britain. The working people of Britain have also been victims of the British Empire. So I just want to make that difference. We're talking about the British Empire, okay? And when you understand the history of the British Empire, using India specifically as a case exemplar, it would really, it'll really give you an opportunity to understand everything up until this point, okay? So let me take you sort of the slide here and hopefully everyone can see it. But what you see here, this is a very nice historical slide that's out of um, the reference here. But so let's look at the, the history. We got It's always good to look at history because when you look at history, history always gives you a perspective of what's going on today. And we teach that in our class when we look at the movements, we always go look at movements of history. We go back to understand where we are today. But if you look at really this graph here, so the East India Company was something that was formed in 1600. Who was the East India Company? The East India Company was a corporation, a company that was formed in the 1600s. You have to understand it was around the 1600s when capitalism starts to come up globally all over the world. Before that, and around that time, we see the decay of the kings and the queens, the feudal kingdom, and capitalism is emerging. It was a quite a vibrant time. 1457 is when Vasco da Gama had come to India. And people saw the riches of India. So many, many different countries were coming to India. France, the Dutch, the British the Portuguese, et cetera, to essentially initially to have trading relationships with India. So listen very carefully. So the initial foray into India by the various European countries was to have a 
capitalist trading relationship with India because they were the emerging merchant class coming from India. The East India Company being one of them right here in the 1600s, all right? So that relationship meant that in India, there was the emergent entrepreneurs rising up. There was a decay of the caste system starting to take place. And so it was a quite a exciting time in many ways because you could have trading, entrepreneurialism, innovation, all this kind of stuff. So the East India Company was one of those entrepreneurial ventures coming out of Britain, but obviously supported by the wealthy elites and the empire, the, the, the British crown, et cetera, um, in many ways was a proxy for the British crown, but nonetheless, it was a entrepreneurial venture. So they come to India in 1600s. In 1640, they actually set up factories in places like Surat. This is up in Gujarat in upper uh, Northwest uh, India. And then what you see during this period is the different entrepreneurs the Dutch East India Company, the, the, the French, the Portuguese, there were over 500, at minimum 500 different kingdoms all over India, different uh, kings. And each of these, the Dutch, the Portuguese, the French, and the British would try to do alliances between these kings. And you have to understand, so feudalism, which is the monarchs were still very vibrant in India, but they were decaying because you had the rise of the Indian merchants, just like in Britain. Monarchy was actually going down, the rise of the merchant class, rise of capitalism. So these different um, companies, the Dutch East India Company, hold on one second. Um, so these different companies, um, So, excuse me, we have two dogs here and one of them needed to go out. Um, so regardless, these different organizations were vying these entrepreneurial European organizations would vie for support among the different kings. So they were trying to split up India into different groups and then they would also start fighting, okay? In fact, the way they fought was that each of these companies, the East India Company, the Portuguese, the Dutch East India Company, they had their own armies. So it would be like, imagine IBM having its own army. And these where and how did they get their armies? They actually recruited Indians. So they got Indians to be part of their European armies. When an Indian joined an army, they were called sepoys. You may want to write this word down, S-E-P-O-Y, sepoys, okay? So I want to give you that background here. So during this timeline, you see Delhi is sacked, right? The siege of Madras uh, is done by the French. So you see different of these um, companies were taking over different parts of India. Robert Clive uh, captures Arcot. Robert Clive was uh, um, in the British Army. Very interesting book about him. But this is a very important point, 1757. 1757 is one of the most important dates in Indian history because it's when the Battle of Plassey takes place. And the Battle of Plassey is important uh, is because the king of this region lost to the British East India Company. So the Battle of Plassey is an important point in Indian history because between the 1600s up until 1757, 
it was a trading relationship. So you had the kings all over India, Indian kings. You had the rising of the Indian merchants. And all of these different corporations from France, Britain, British East India Company, EIC, were trading with these merchants. But then the East India Company had relationships with some of these kings. But 1757, they actually occupy. They have a battle where they take over a big region of India. So they move from being just, it, it would be like IBM or Microsoft or Google. Imagine um, going into Russia and actually imagine Google, Google having an army and taking over Moscow. Okay. Fascinating. So that's what happens. The Battle of Plassey 1757 is an inflection point in world history, in British history, in Indian history, because it's when the British literally go from being a trading company, the East India Company, to actually becoming an occupying force. They got rid of all the middlemen. They didn't want to trade with the Indian merchants. They were just going to seize power. So between 1757, okay, all the way to 1857, you will see that the East India Company starts collecting, gives rights, the Mughal emperor gives rights to the EC, EIC to collect tax revenue. And this is when the raping of India takes place between 1757 to 1857. The British East India Company gets monopoly to sell options in Bengal, okay? They kill one of the, Tupu Sultan is killed, okay? So the East India Company starts killing off the local Indian major kings, and they actually start occupying more and more, more territory of India. And how are they doing this? They're doing this by using Indians against Indians. Indians, brown men, are used against other brown men through their brown other leadership who the British, British actually um, pay off, okay? Just like, you know, we see this in America. It's the Republicans who take advantage of white people by using other white people. Tucker Carlson is actually a racist. He, he takes advantage of white people. And we'll talk more about this. The black, uh, the Democrats use blacks. They use people like Al Sharpton to manipulate black people. So the Republicans take advantage of whites by finding white leaders will drum up the quote unquote uh, working white, uh, white people in this country basically to use them against the opposition, the black uh, leadership is used by the Democrats against their own people. Same thing in India. So these brown hi higher caste people were used against brown folks in India. It's standard operating procedure, okay? Yeah, Tucker Carlson, if you love him, he's a scumbag. Tucker Carlson always comes late, too little, too late. He puts on a face. Someone says, I love Tucker Carlson. I'll go off on Tucker if you want but he is a not so obvious establishment and he takes advantage of white people, okay? Yeah, Tucker is not a friend, okay? He knew about our lawsuit in Massachusetts two years before that Twitter was um, backed by the government and it was an unholy alliance. He doesn't do anything. Tucker Carlson is your master grifter. He takes, Tucker Carlson is racist. Tucker Carlson is racist towards white folks, okay? Not racist towards black people. He takes advantage of working class whites. Anyway. Same thing occurred in India, all right? So during this period between 1757 to 1857, you can see the British use Indians and these Indians were willing to be used until 1857. What occurs in 1857? 
the lower class uh, Indians, okay, the lower class Indians who are in the British army, the sepoys, rise up. They say, wait a minute, enough. And what sparked that was, it's a very weird, interesting incident. I don't want to get into the details, but the British had introduced a rifle, which included cartridges where you had to bite off the edges. And the edge, edge was filled with beef tallow. And remember, Hindus and Muslims don't eat pork and beef. They'd heard about this. And that was a last straw. And that started the sepoy mutiny. And the, the sepoy mutiny was quite powerful because this was Indians rising up with arms. They started killing people, etc. And 1857 is the next, literally 100 years later, when you look at this graph, it's fascinating. So again, this period was the uh, trading period, 1757, is the British East India Company becomes an occupying force. But in 1857, this is what happens. The... British Empire, right? So here's the British Empire. Their middleman was the East India Company, which was doing all this exploitation in India. And here, they were really concerned because they were concerned, oh my God, we're waking up a potential giant here, which is the Indian people may rise up against us from the Sepoy Mutiny incident. And that a revolution was about to occur, really what they call the first Indian fight for independence, okay? Yeah, Tucker is also Hunter's buddy. That's true. Um, and, and, and you'll see how, how that buddy system works here. We'll see here. So what ends up happening is that the British get rid of their middlemen, the company, and the British empire literally comes in. This would be, again, using the Google example. Let's say Google is in Moscow and Google unleashes its own army to suppress, let's say, the people of Moscow, and they start losing Eventually, the U.S. government steps in because they see, let's say, maybe Russia or Moscow was a colony that was a very valuable colony. And you have to understand, remember, Britain as an empire had military all over. They just lost America. Right. And they didn't want to lose India because India, just to give you a data point, 25 percent of the GDP of the world came out of India. Twenty five percent. When the British left, they'd reduced India to ashes to only about three percent of the world's GDP. The amount of wealth that was stolen out of India is quite remarkable, $43 trillion by a recent estimate that was done by Ustav Patnaik. Anyway, so 1857 is a very important turning point, just like 1757. Indians rise up, the British say, holy shit. They tell the East India Company to get out of the way. They didn't have the military force. And then the British Empire steps in, okay? So starting in 1857, there was the East India Company, as you can see, gets rid of itself, okay, as we see here. East India comes under the crown, ending East India Company rule, okay? So we went from a company, a front of a company coming into India, trading, then occupying, and then the company exiting, and the empire actually running India, okay? The empire meaning the queen, the king, etc. So that's a little bit of history. Now, just to give you, as we go to Queen Elizabeth, so this is around 18, we're looking at 57. Let me just share with you a, a, a little bit of a, a history of how the British royal families is organized. And I found this very nice thing on town and country, but you can see, if you look at this period, around this period, um, is 
you know, is when King George V comes into power, right? Right after 1857 and his Queen Mary. And the direct, um, oh, maybe I'm sharing this. Yeah, I think I'm sharing this. Good. Am I sharing this with everyone? Let's make sure. Uh, yeah. So what you see here in this important uh, relationship here is that just to give you the background so you understand who is Queen Elizabeth, these two have several children. They had King Edward, Edward. They had Prince Mary, a daughter. They had Prince John. And then they also had Prince Harry, that means Henry, Prince George. And they also had, an, um, they also had, you know, someone who later on becomes King George, okay? So these, they had many children. Now, King Edward only lasted in power for one year. It's quite fascinating, less than a year. He wanted to marry a divorcee who had been divorced twice. And the government and the parliament didn't think it was a good idea. So he abdicated. And it went, and then so the the next king was his brother, King George. So it's fascinating. There were really two brothers who served as king. It's rarely occurred, where King Edward wanted to marry somebody else, and they didn't want it. He he rather abdicated because he loved this woman, and King George took over. Well, King George and the Queen Mother, you know, passed away several years ago, right, two thousand and two. Um, they their children were. Queen Elizabeth, who just passed away, and Princess Margaret, okay, the sister. So they had two daughters, and Queen Elizabeth obviously had multiple children, right? Prince Andrew, the pedophile, you know, as people have claimed, King Charles, and then a couple of other uh, children, Anne and um, uh, Prince Edward, okay? All right. So, but this is where Queen Elizabeth comes in. So she takes, she starts ruling. I mean, she's born in 1926. She actually starts ruling in 1952. So you have to understand prior to that, King George was ruling up until 1852. And before that, his father, King George. So King George V, King George VI, and then that goes right to Queen Elizabeth. And now we're over Charles. Okay. So you can see a direct, um, you can see a direct line um, between um, this aristocracy from Queen Elizabeth to her father and to her grandfather. And getting back to this, um, let me go back to this. So when we go back here. We can see all of this is directly connected as the Sepoy mutiny takes place as Britain becomes the empire taking over India in 1858. So what happens? So now the British are running India, uh, Robert Clive. By the way, if you go look at the history of Robert Clive, Robert Clive came as a bookkeeper in the British East India Company. He was a lowly bookkeeper and through pure brashness, violence, unadulterated you know, boldness, he ends up becoming the emperor of India but he was essentially a lowly bookkeeper in the East India Company. So in 1920s, when Queen Elizabeth was being born, 1920s, 
<clears throat> India starts having major uprisings, other uprisings. The people of India are in a period in history, as we talk about in our course in Truth, Freedom and Health, is that people all over the world, working people in the 1900s are rising up all over the world, in America, in Russia, in Ireland, and they're rising up against the forces of imperialism. Anti-colonial movements are emerging and people want to rule their own countries. And that was starting to occur in India. And they were real anti-colonial fighters. And this is where I want you to understand the role of Queen Elizabeth. So they were real anti-colonial fighters emerging all over the world. In Africa, there were movements, right? In Ireland, I mean, people who really wanted to fight for their country, they wanted to oust the elites in their own country who were somehow connected back to the British Royal Empire one way or the other. And they wanted true revolutionary movements. And such was what was occurring in India in the 1900s. Such was what was occurring in America in the 1900s. There were working class movements that wanted to get rid of the U.S. elites and wanted true liberation even in America. 1886, right? There was a great upheaval leading to the hanging of four American workers. They just wanted the eight-hour workday. So working people all over the world in the 1900s, when Queen Elizabeth is born, are rising up. So the elites are in a conundrum, right? They have people rising up. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? All right. So what they decide to do is something quite fascinating. They decide to take a kinder, gentler approach to imperialism. So in India, they realize, wow, we can't really be pushing these people too much. They may overthrow us. Okay. This is where we have to understand this is where liberal imperialism comes up, quote unquote, liberal imperialism. Let's not attack the masses directly in the eyes. We're going to somehow manipulate them into subjugation. So they start creating a strata of society called the not so obvious establishment in every country. And the not so obvious establishment is typically the people of that country, but they co-opt they find people they can bribe, they can give favors to. So by 19, so 1900s, Indians are rising up and they want their own freedom. And what do they do? What do the British do? The British are very clever. Instead of attacking them because they knew they're going to have complete war and they couldn't fight it, they find local Indians who own land, the elites of India, Brahmins, and they co-opt them. They incentivize them to become the new ruling class. So they could leave gently and kindly, but they could still from Britain have puppet master control over the Indian elites. Gandhi was really parachuted into India. He's not the liberator of India, sorry to say. He was fine with Indians getting beaten and beat up, quote unquote, nonviolence. He said, Indians don't fight back. And when the Indians did fight back and defend themselves, he said, oh, that was wrong. You shouldn't fight back. But he was okay with the British beating the shit out of the Indians. Okay. He's a wacky guy. Okay. In my opinion. So the British promoted leaders. So whenever you see big statues being 
built during colonial times for these leaders, just know that they were the leaders appointed by the oppressor. And one of those guys was this guy, Nehru. Let me give you his picture right here. You can see a picture of him. So here's Mountbatten, who was the emperor of India, and here's his wife, Ed Edwina. And this guy, Nehru, with his little white hat on, but essentially he was just a British guy, a light brown-skinned Indian guy, who the British appoint to be the first prime minister of India, okay? That's what really happened. And what's fascinating is Nehru and Edwina were very close friends. It's, you know, from all accounts, Edwina and Nehru had an affair. They were lovers. And this is it. So here's, here's the emperor of India. Here's his wife. And here's supposedly the guy who's fighting the British, Nehru. He's not a fighter. They're all in bed together. And it's purported that Mountbatten was actually in a recent article that just came out, I'll share with you. Um, and people probably don't want to hear this, but you got to put this out there, the kinds of incestuous relationships we have. So here it is. So Mountbatten was a homosexual with lust for a young boy claims secret FBI dossier compiled by agents seeking dirt on British statesmen. So anyway, there's enough to say, and this is basically Charles's uncle, Mountbatten. Looks a lot like Prince Andrew, frankly. I thought it was quite compelling. But anyway, this is hearsay, but people should go check it out. But the point is that this picture sort of says it all, is that the British got their own buddies to run the countries that they left, okay? So they institutionalized the not-so-obvious establishment. So the British leave India, and they appoint Nehru to run it. And they did a dynasty. Nehru's daughter, Indira Gandhi, then becomes the next prime minister. And then her son becomes the next prime minister. And then they were trying to get their next son, the cokehead, who's really a cokehead in the Congress party, Rahul Gandhi. Fortunately, I think for India, Modi came to power, who came from bottoms up. Okay? You can disagree with him, but... He was not part of that dynasty. So why am I telling you all this? The point is that 1952 is when Queen Elizabeth becomes queen. And if you look all over the world at that time, in Africa and in India and in South America, all over the world where the British had influence, you start having anti-colonial movements, truly revolutionary movements like we saw in India in the 1920s. But the British had learned how to institutionalize a not-so-obvious establishment. So throughout Africa, by the way, it was, you know, if you go look at the Boer War in Africa, the British supported a guy who, the first concentration camps were set up, um, you know, by the South Africans, the, the Boers, you know, the Dutch, against their own people in South Africa, the concept concentration camp, okay? And the British fully supported that. In Kenya, concentration camps were fully supported by the British. The point being that wherever the British went, they realized that there were true revolutionaries who were coming up and they were very clever. They'd learned from India how to identify people like Nehru or people like Gandhi who talked a good game and they imposed them in all these countries. So let's step back. What am I saying here? I'm saying first, the East India Company was the major force, a company, a corporation was used by the British elites all over the world, be it in America, be it in Ireland, be it all over the world, to impose British colonialism and imperialism. And then when it got too hot to handle, the British Empire would come in. And then they realized, wow, 
we got a lot of control here, but people are rising up against us. So they stepped back. And this is where Queen Elizabeth was very, very valuable. The second Queen Elizabeth, you know, she looks like, you know, look at her picture. She looks like, you know, sweet old woman. She's really for the elites. This is really, sorry. Uh, let me fix this here. It's really Queen Elizabeth II. Okay. Sorry about that. So Queen Elizabeth II really is what I call the kindler, gentler imperialist. The elites, the elites, and when I mean the elites, she just represents the face of them. She's the advertising for them. She becomes this, you know, this kindler, gentler, you know, sophisticated, you know, who wouldn't like someone like her? You know, she's like a sweet old woman, right? So she becomes a face of modern imperialism. And behind her, no one questions. Everyone thinks it's just a titular title. Everyone thinks that she's just, oh, she's just representing this Disneyland of the monarchy. But no, it's not true. She, behind her is the sophistication of global imperialism with the force of massive amounts of wealth of, so it's, it's political and as, as well as as global imperialism connected. But what they did with the PR move that they did with her and what started happening with what they did in India and all over Africa, they found black people to subjugate their own people, okay? Nelson Mandela and Winnie Mandela were not nice people. And you really, the, the great PR, there were true revolutionary fighters in Africa who truly wanted to liberate Africa, true revolutionary fighters in India, true revolutionary fighters in Ireland. All these places, the British very cleverly used sort of this kindler, gentler imperialism to find leaders in those countries who are really liberal imperialists who looked good, acted good, backed by, you know, this face of kindler, gentler imperialism. And that's what we're living in today. And there's going to be a next wave of fight when people wake up to this. But the Queen Elizabeth that just died today was really the face, I say, of that kindler, gentler imperialism. She was a kindler, gentler, quote unquote, put it in quotes, kindler, gentler imperialist. And the British elites who, by the way, it's not, she doesn't represent one person. She represents like those swarm of birds. It's more of an ecosystem of elites. So she, for that ecosystem, is a great PR move. That's why they keep the monarchy going. That's why every day you go to the shopping malls or you're online, you'll see something with Prince William or Prince Harry or some stuff out there presenting themselves always out in the press because behind that front of this supposed Disneyland of monarchy is really the true imperialism. And that imperialism today is a liberal imperialism. It's a kindler, gentler imperialism, but still vicious. So in all of these former colonial countries, India, they had a you know problem, Modi coming into power. But in most of these countries, particularly in Africa still, they infiltrate through liberal imperialism. So that monarchy, they use the word royalty, Hollywood royalty. Think about the words that they use, right? Um, 
Hollywood is controlled by that same liberal imperialism, by that same face of liberal imperialism, right? This is why the two idiots, Harry and Meghan, are in the United States, okay? They're sort of the nouveau version of that liberal imperialism. So that's my analysis. Queen Elizabeth II, from 1952, when she took power for the last 70 years, really helped build up the not-so-obvious establishment. That is what she represents. And by the way, to those of you thinking that the queen was just some, oh, she's just a little old lady who just walks around with her cane. And no, the monarchy in Britain, the, the elites of the world and the British politicos are very tight. I mean, the, the queen would meet at least two to three times a week with parliament. It's more than just titular Disneyland stuff. You see, these people have immense power. So again, in summary, if you use India as a par exemplar, but it's it, you can take the systems approach to all over the world. East India Company, 1600 to 1757, exploited large parts of the world, including the United States. Second phase, when things got too hot for them to really, the East India Company didn't have the military force. They brought in, the British Empire came in directly. They said, okay, middlemen out, we come in. And then they saw that the rebels were fighting back against them. So they said, holy crap, this is too intense. Let's step out and we'll find the locals, the local elites to suppress them. And we will manage that remotely out of Britain. Today, the Atlantic Council, I'm not talking about NATO, the Atlantic Council, you can look them up. They're an organization of the elites, US, American, British, African elites, Indian elites, they all come together and they are the liberal imperialists of the world. So what I think we wanna really think about Queen Elizabeth's, she reigned over liberal imperialism, a kindler, quote unquote, a kindler, gentler imperialist. And I hope her passing and this discussion today gives all of you the opportunity to reflect on what I'm saying and see if you want to get wiser, if you want to get smart, if you want to wake up and recognize that this kindler, gentler, imperialist approach is what is being used everywhere in the world. I can now go to the United States to bring it home. In the United States, that kindler, gentler imperialism manifests itself in two parties. And I may do a whole talk on this but to give you a preview the Republicans and the Democrats. And the average working class American who has very little time, works very hard, is led to believe, oh, the Republicans are fighting for me, you know? And the, you know, and the Democrats are fighting for me. But when you realize is that the Republicans take advantage of white people, listen very carefully, it's a very, very deep insight. The Republicans take advantage of white people. They rile up working class whites. The elite white Republicans rile up the working class whites who have no interest with them. Who don't, they just use them. Donald Trump, who I used to support, takes advantage of poor white folks, riles them up. Tucker Carlson takes advantage of poor white folks. These people are racist. They're not racist towards blacks secondarily, but they're actually racist towards whites. 
Democrats take advantage of black people and brown people. They rile up, they have the Al Sharptons, they have the Jesse Jacksons, they have et cetera. They go among the black people and say, oh, the white folks don't like you, right? Point the finger at the poor white working class. So the elites on both ends, Republican elites and Democrat elites, have everyday people fighting against each other while they rob the store. That's what the era of Queen Elizabeth really was all about. It was about the era of divide and rule, but in a kinder, gentler way. And this is even more deadly because you don't know who the snake is. Okay? And this is why our movement exists. The Truth, Freedom, and Health movement is the only movement which is educating people on this concept of the not-so-obvious establishment. It is a much more subtle understanding, but it's a much more deeper understanding. We live in a world right now where we have liberal imperialism, where we have divide and rule. The United States is being ripped apart by both wings of the establishment. And it's being ripped apart. Donald Trump get, house gets raided. He makes 95 million bucks in one month. Alex Jones makes money off Sandy Hook on the right wing. These people are entertainers. They don't, they're running WWE wrestling. And on the left wing, you have people attacking the right wing and they make money sending these little donation emails and working people keep funding these fools. And it's time that people get out of this nonsense because they're actually being exploited at a very, very fundamental level and they need to understand this dynamic. And I'll take some questions shortly. And let me show you, you know, we recently built our new website and the website sort of lays this out pretty clearly, what is the solution for it? So before I go to that, let me just make clear that we're not here to whine and expose. You know, we do some very deep systems analysis. So as we leave Queen Elizabeth II, who just died, the big takeaways for the last 70 years, since 1950 to today, the world has been under the rule of liberal imperialism. And she reigned over that liberal imperialism smiling, acting friendly, acting nice, meanwhile, screwing people from behind, okay? Not the old ways, you just subjugate people through slavery directly, you come from behind and you screw them. And the way you came from behind was you use blacks to oppress blacks, as, as the British did in um, all over Africa. And you can't just say the British did it, they had accomplices, same in India, all over. And that same model has been brought to the United States. We have very wealthy white people who take advantage of white people and black leaders who take care of uh, advantage of black people. So you have a multi-racial aristocracy now in the world. Let me repeat that again, a multi-racial aristocracy, okay? That is what Queen Elizabeth II, in many ways, that face of her represents today a multi-racial aristocracy. That's what she represents. That is what Queen Elizabeth delivered to the world, a multi-racial aristocracy, okay? So what's the solution? Well, let me go to the solution because I always wanna not leave people hanging. You know, there is there is a way out. And the way out is the movement that we've created. With all humility, it is the only movement on the planet which is going to move the needle forward to educate people. 
And as you can see, what is the slogan of this? Let me, let me go here. We just released this website. I hope everyone has a chance. It says, get educated or be enslaved. And what it says, a man who invented email now delivers the truth, freedom, and health system to make you street smart so you may see things as they truly are beyond left versus right, beyond pro versus anti, and improve every aspect of your life, your body, your relationships, your business, and your world. And what is that system? Well, what we have done is we've put together a, a system, no different than email. Email is not the simple exchange of text messages. It was a system that I invented that integrated many parts. Well, here we teach people the foundations of systems, a very important knowledge. I'll get to that. We give you books. We teach people how you can apply systems knowledge to your body. We give you, we give you science. We run events like we're doing today. We teach people to teach others. We This evening at Thursdays at 8 p.m. shortly, I'll be doing a one-on-one -on -one with one-on-one, -on -one, meaning everyone gets to directly interact with me. We have a whole global community, 95 countries. We get people on the ground and we create a tool so you can commune. But what is the problem we're solving is the following. Before I go to this, I'm gonna play a very nice video of Frank, a local electrician who uses this system, who's broken from this system of liberal imperialism. Let me play Frank's story. Hi, my name is Frank Licata. I'm an electrician in Andover, Massachusetts. I've been self-employed for somewhere around 30 years or so. Every day I get up and go to work and I enjoy it. I enjoy the freedom that being a business owner provides for me. I work hard for my customers and it's a labor of love. And when I have time off, I spend as much time as I can with family. And I also have a few hobbies such as owning, DJing, and amateur radio. Politically, I've always been independent-minded, leaning towards those who appear to be the outside agents of change versus the establishment characters. I would later learn that there is actually a third character called the not-so-obvious establishment. In 2015, I volunteered for a year and a half for Donald J. Trump for president. At the time, he appeared to be the outside agent of change, just like Obama appeared to be in 2008. And of course, history shows that both were not. In 2017, I met actual outside agent of change, Dr. Shiva Ayaduri, on his first of what will become two runs for U.S. Senate in Massachusetts. Both times, both campaigns, his own party sabotaged him, and every turn, all parties colluded together and did everything they could, including cheating. People talk about voter fraud, they, they don't talk so much about election fraud. And in the September 1st Massachusetts primary, there were actually more votes than voters. Uh, and they essentially jipped you out of the uh, primary. Dr. Shiva's landmark federal case exposed the whole thing and caught the eye of a president who couldn't accomplish anything in federal court regarding election fraud, but was happy to fundraise off it to the tunes of hundreds of millions of dollars. So what have I learned from all this? I learned that all elections are selections. Nobody is coming to save us. We have to save ourselves. But the good news is it's not hopeless and we are not helped. There's much more of us than there is of them. We have power together. 
It took me five years to learn things the hard way. And now we have a tool so that you can learn things the easy way. As a tradesman, I wouldn't be able to do my job without the right tool. This is the right tool. Start at truthfreedomhealth.com. So I wanted to share that with you because what we've created is Frank is an everyday working class person. But what we are educating people, the order of the day right now is to educate people on this liberal imperialism. It's easy to expose the obvious establishment. But what Queen Elizabeth really delivered the world in her reign was a not so obvious establishment. It's, a, again, a kinder, gentler way of screwing people over. That's what she really did. And that, it's not her physically, right? But that's what she represented, right? Ultimately, that's what she delivered. So when you go to this website, um, you'll find out that I, we have many, many wins our movements done. But the key thing is, this is the problem that's going on in the world right now. And this is why I wanted to do this video today. What you'll find is, this is the reality. The problem today is we have lots and lots of information. Like I mentioned on Queen Elizabeth, you'll find many, many videos talking about her death and this happened, you know, she was, um, you know, the, you know, the British Empire was racist and imperialist. That's yeah, all true. Um, then you'll find people saying, yeah, she was a nice person. Let's all mourn her. And other people saying, who cares? So there's tons of information, tons of videos on every topic out there. But in the midst of all of this information, all this information here, is the world getting wiser? Are we getting more truth? Are we getting more freedom? Are we getting more health? Well, the reality is this is more and more people are being degenerating into complacency, division and desperation. Over 650 million people live in clinical anxiety and depression. 51% of our kids feel hopeless. This number needs to be increased. We, the recent poll says 40% want to overthrow their governments. Two billion adults are obese. 500 million children are obese. Over 50% of people don't even know what to eat or what to avoid in the midst of all these so-called health experts. 95% of people have health problems and one third have more than five ailments. So what, how could it be with so much information that the world is not getting better? Well, the reality is because the elites through their liberal imperialism have injected ignorance. And what I mean ignorance, let me zoom in on this. This is what I mean. The ignorance we're talking about is this, okay? It's this, the ignorance is really about not seeing the whole. When it comes to Queen Elizabeth, for example, people are just seeing pieces. The whole is what I just took you through the historical analysis. But if you don't see the whole, ignorance is having the wrong lens. You get to illusion, then you get confused. Either you get desperate or you get divided into left to right or you become complacent. And this results in people getting divided into left and right or complacent or desperate. And people then turn to these people like these gurus or Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders or Alex Jones or Joe Rogan or AOC on the left and the right. And you got to understand when you really look at this, unfortunately, these people are entertainers. They get you into left and right, pro and anti tirades. They're not here to deliver solution. And if one of these guys, if you say, well, you know, Tucker said some good things. Yeah, he said some things two years later, too late. When it's convenient, when he gets the ratings, not when his masters will allow him to speak. So what's the solution? The solution is we need knowledge. What I just took you through is a systems analysis. Information is different than knowledge. Information becomes wisdom when you apply knowledge. And what is knowledge? Knowledge is how to think, not what to think. 
And how do you learn to think? You have to learn the science of systems, which has been around for 5,000, 10,000 years. And this knowledge will allow you to take information to wisdom, you get clarity, and now you start becoming a human being again. And why is wisdom important? Because you get active, you start talking to your neighbors, you get grounded, you wanna meet, you get on the ground, you wanna meet neighbors and strangers, you wanna find what the real issues, you wanna find out how to innovate real solutions, you get organized. And, but you have to be willing to let go of the old system. We live in the system of liberal imperialism right now, which controls people into left and right desperation. You gotta ask, do you wanna become, as we say, your own guru? And that is what Truth, Freedom and Health is. It is a system. It has never existed before. It exists now to teach people how to think, not what to think. And we've created a model that you contribute and you join. I used to you know, try to just give this all away. I've taught this course all over the world. And you find out that when you give it away, no one wants to do anything. So we decided we charge something, something very nominal, but we wanna make it accessible to as many people as possible. The system of approaching the world, it's a community, it's a system, it's an entire framework for building a bottoms up movement to end this liberal imperialism, okay? So that's what I wanted to remark today. So when you see this face of the queen, you know, remember it for what it is. It's a very, very good image of this sweet, quote unquote, old lady, but it's an image of truly a gentler, kindler imperialism, which screws you and you don't even getting, or, or you don't even know you're getting screwed. That's what this is about. And hopefully her death gives us a chance to reflect on what I'm talking about. Someone said, you mean a pedophile Satanist? Well, I didn't say that. We don't want to go there. We wanted to give you this deeper analysis. Um, Suresh says, be your own guru or be a slave of the imperialists. Exactly. That's why, you know, I, I know we did this topic today. A lot of you have joined us. We have a lot of people joining us today. But go to truthfreedomhealth.com this evening. I'm having an open house. Please join us. You just go to vashiva.com slash orientation. Um, you'll see some people commenting on it and how to come to the, it's absolutely, there's no cost, nothing. It's at 8 p.m. EST, but we'll talk more about it. But we need to build a bottoms up movement that did occur in the 20s. You see, what the queen presided over was learning how to quell real movements. And that's what her face really represents. You see? this face of imperialism, of a kindler, gentler imperialism, where you get screwed without even knowing you're getting screwed. The good news is those days are numbered because our movement exists, the movement for truth, freedom, and health. And that movement offers you knowledge. It offers you wisdom. As it says here, the knowledge that will deliver you wisdom. And it's an integrated system of knowledge. So the question is, do you wanna be educated or do you wanna be enslaved? you get the Foundations of Systems course. This is a course I used to teach at MIT for tens of thousands of dollars. You get all the books, you understand what is a system, what is revolution, how you can use it on your body, you get the scientific theory. Then you understand the same system science you can use to improve your health beyond any diet. Then you also learn how food is a system. You get access to special lectures and events. You get access to a portal where you can actually educate others. 
I get chance to spend more one-on-one -on -one time with people, but most importantly, we're a community. Yeah. And I also, I'm uh, actually just putting out the orientation link, John. So everyone can, everyone can see the orientation link, right? Did I put it up there? Oh, maybe I did. I'm sorry. Let me just show the orientation link. There you go. Okay. And the other thing we do is we want to educate people to get on the ground and be activists. Okay. So we've made flyers and brochures so you can get on the ground. We've created a forum where you can communicate independent of big tech and equivalent of Facebook, independent of big tech and our own TV platform. And then you get all these other tools and strategies. But I think on the occasion of Queen Elizabeth II's passing, what I hope we all do is reflect and ask yourself, do you want to be a dumbass and be used by liberal imperialists or do you want to become wise? Do you want to get out of the left and right divide? Remember, divide and rule came out of British imperialism, British colonialism. Do you want real heroes or do you want to, you, you think Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders are heroes, you're part of that liberal imperialism. You're part of this world of a kinder, gentler getting screwed over, okay? This is where you are, of consciousness. But if you wanna raise your consciousness beyond that, then it's important you get educated. And this education took me 50 years to develop. It took many, many years to build this community, but we're a global community in 95 countries so no one can say, well, I didn't know how to fight. I don't know what to do. Well, you have a community. You have a, you have, you have a team of people. You have the knowledge. We have everything we do is bottoms up. And this face, I can tell you that I just shared with you here, is nowhere near bottoms up. This is as top down as you get, okay? This is a face of centralization and top down imperialism. So that's what died today. The issue is, did the face just die or did that movement die? That's what you have to ask yourself. The next one is Charles. He wants to push climate change and he wants to push, you know, carbon tax, right? That's the next guy. And then you have the next guy and the next guy, and they're going to get more and more sophisticated. Okay. They have, who is it? Uh, Prince William and his wife are supposedly sending their kids to private school. Okay. They're going to drive around their own cars, okay? We're supposed to all feel good about the next wave of how we get screwed over, okay? That's what you have to ask yourself. Do we want to build a bottoms-up movement? Do we want to learn how to do that? Or do we want to feel, you know, keep reading the little National Enquirer articles or say, oh, the queen, the queen, oh, isn't it great, the royalty? Oh, they just had a child. And do we want to perpetuate this nonsense? That's a question you have to ask yourself. So... Um, let me put up some quotes here. Jill Tip, uh, Tipton says, I wish they could end the whole monarchy. Yeah, it, it should have ended in 1776, Jill, but we seem to keep continuing it because people want to have this concept of royalty. Some people are better than ours. Um, Ellen Zittinger says, people are seriously confused and deceived. Exactly. But we don't have to be anymore. Go to truthfreedomhealth.com. And uh, Long Live Jaw says, no, the left-right divide is correct. Yeah, it's it's the same versions. It's two wings of the same um, establishment. Uh, Charles is worse. Okay. Um, uh, uh, let's see. Let's see. There's some, I just want to go up. There's a lot of comments here. Okay. 
Yes. Uh, someone says, we need to look at God for guidance, not you or man. Well, what we need to do is God gives knowledge. God also gave us a brain. So you have to use your brain, okay? And you have to choose wisdom. And, that, and, and God will watch if you choose wisdom or not. That's what we have to choose, wisdom. Um, anyway, I hope this was valuable for everyone. Uh, again, go to bhiva.com slash orientation. You can sign up right now. Our orientation starts. We have our warrior meeting at seven. Orientation meeting starts at eight. But I hope uh, for everyone this is valuable. I hope we build uh, uh, this understanding, this wisdom. And we've created the tools for you to do that. But Truth, Freedom, Health is here. It's a system. Please take advantage of it. It's for you. It's a service to you. And learn, teach, and serve others. Be well, everyone. Have a good evening.